think going back to the the dialogue aspect, I think what this series as a whole from episode three, and personally, I think episode three is one of the best. I know that that might come off as a hot take. A lot of people disagree with that, but episode three I was think, the lamentous one episode. Correct. I uh, can't wait to fight about this in a couple I, minutes. Ah, uh, yes. Let's go. Right. I, <laughs> let's go. We'll I get think, there. We'll get there naturally. Welcome back. Episode 22 of The Link. I'm your host, Mike Zago, and we're back this time with a glorious purpose to bring you more Marvel discussion. Loki season one finale dropped on Disney Plus, and I'm very specific when I say that because of the end credits scene, but we'll get there. Black Widow dropped on Disney Plus and in theaters has been mega popular. I really liked both. I wanted a place to discuss them, and who better to do it with than my friend Ethan from the 15 Minutes of Marvel podcast. We had done an episode before on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Go listen to that if you haven't. That was a good one. We always have fun nerding out together. This time we didn't agree on everything, which made it a little bit of fun. Teaser! But more to chew on in this episode. We've gone further. We've done more. We've broken apart the timeline. There's a lot to talk about. If you haven't seen either of these series yet, there will be spoilers. If you've only seen one of them, we talk about Loki first. So you'll hear when we switch to Black Widow, you can tune out there because you should see it before you listen. And then you should listen because it's great. If you've only seen Black Widow and you haven't seen Loki, it's probably the last 10 to 15 minutes of the episode. Uh, Maybe a little more, but you'll be able to find it in there. So check that out. I get extra hyped to talk Marvel, man. It's the nerdiest you can get, but it's cool. It's so much to chew on. There's so many things coming out, and Disney Plus has changed it so much. And now we're back in theaters, which I feel like is such an important thing that Black Widow did really well in the movie theater and sold a lot of tickets. Because if it didn't, this could have gone a totally different way. And I would be worried about what Marvel movies are going to be in the future, especially like the non-huge blockbuster ones. So... The fact that this went well is a really good thing. The fact that Loki went well and is doing better than the two series before it means we're on the right track. There's so much content coming, and people are still going to be starving for it because these two knocked it out of the park. So I'll shut up. Follow me at the link underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram. There. Now we're done. Now we go into the episode. Hit the music. Last time, we didn't get to do WandaVision. We did uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right, and right. that was good, but this was kind of another level. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. A totally different level. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier enclosed and encapsulated, it's quite good. It's really enjoyable. Definitely. But I think Loki holds so much more weight outside of just Loki that, yeah, totally different ballgame. So let's just start with, we're going to have to go into a million different things, but overall thoughts of the whole series and how it compares to the other ones. I have a few notes, but I want to hear what you think first. Sure. Uh, So yeah, I'll give a little preface real quick. I personally am super heavy on recency bias. I I cannot get out of my recency bias (laughs) rut that I constantly find myself in. So I'm obviously, I'm going to say that Loki is the best. I'm going to say that, that it's the best just because the finale dropped today of the shows. You mean exactly the best of of the shows. It it is the best. I feel like you're going to be hard pressed to find someone. WandaVision was great. So if you're into that, 
the first bunch of episodes that were spoofing TV shows. If that was your bag, then I understand. But mm-hmm. trying to say Falcon and Winter Soldier is better than Loki would be a psychotic take, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's red hot. I <laughs> yeah. don't think I don't think anybody will say that necessarily. I do think that WandaVision will always hold a special place just because it was the first MCU TV. It was the first thing we True. got to experience. It was so, you know, long awaited after so long of, of no Marvel content. But mm. in terms of Loki, I think my initial thoughts, season as a whole, really good, really enjoyable, really engaging. I think Great. they, like a, a couple really hard points, I think they knocked the dialogue out of the park. I think totally agree. this show being so dialogue driven is wonderful we've seen it in falcon Winter soldier we've seen it in wandavision as well and i think that's the way phase four is going but i think tom hiddleston alone has an incredibly impressive ability to be so meaningful in every single thing that he says and i think he translates better when he talks versus when he's fighting somebody that and i think is... that's what this show did so well we're like on the same wavelength completely. I have so many notes and I don't know which order to go in, but I'm just (laughs) going to drop them all. One of them, Tom Hiddleston has separated himself from the pack to me. And that's a strong thing to say because this group of actors is insane from top to bottom. But the thing that he has going for him, which in the beginning when they cast Thor, they probably thought was a bad thing. People don't know Mm -hmm. him from other stuff. So he is Loki. He is Loki more than other people are their characters. Right, 100%. I'm willing to say that he is the most, uh, I don't know the word for it, but you forget that it's an actor. You just like get lost in the character more than any other one. He just embodies it so perfectly. And you also touched on the combat thing, which I also noticed there was combat, but it was never about the combat. There were fights. There was cool hand-to-hand dagger stuff between Lokis. And then the big Loki fight was funny in episode four or five or whatever it was. But other than that, it was never about the fighting. And that's weird for a comic book, anything, any movie, TV show, even a comic book itself. It's generally the climax of the thing is going to be this big fight. To your point, and you said it on your podcast, it was a good episode I listened today. uh, (laughs) Thank you. About all the dialogue. And it really is interesting how they were able to create such a tense, I don't want to skip right to the finale, but obviously we're going to be talking about it, like such a tense climax with just a conversation. And they mixed a little fight in there, but for what, 30 seconds? Yeah, it was, the the fight was so sparse. Like that was totally a side project compared to the dialogue. And and you're right. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the finale if we're not quite there in terms of talking. I mean, first of all, if anyone that's listening doesn't know that there's spoilers (laughs) going on, you shouldn't have clicked the thing in the damn first place. Let it rip, whatever you want. Okay. Okay. So speaking of dialogue, I mean, look, I, I pulled up Tom Hiddleston's IMDB page and he's been in Muppets Most Wanted and like two movies and then everything else is MCU. And even that I believe was (laughs) after he was already Loki. Yeah, absolutely. So like after Thor, yeah. Kong Skull Island is probably his most well-known, like outside of the MCU. But like even that, you're right. He's an MCU tried and true. It has made him, and he gets the credit for it. I'm not trying to say that they created the star. He's unbelievable, but he's so tied to it more than other people, which is cool. Totally, totally agree. And I think going back to the the dialogue aspect, I think what this series as a whole from episode three, and personally, I think episode three is one of the best. I know that that might come off as a hot take. A lot of people disagree with that, but- Episode three was the lamentous one episode? 
Correct. I uh, can't wait to fight about this in a couple I, months. Uh, yes, let's go. Right. I, <laughs> let's go. We'll I get think, there. We'll get there naturally. I think the finale, you see it with Loki and Sylvie, but you also see it with um, the ancient one or the, the one who... He what who was remains. It? The, he who remains, exactly. Thank you. I didn't want to call him Kang because he doesn't really call himself but Kang. But it's Kang. But it's Kang. So you can see that entire storyline is dialogue driven. He gives oh. an entire gambit about everything that we need to know. And it has nothing to do with them fighting minus Sylvie, like gunning for him once or twice. But even that pushes more dialogue for us to understand his backstory. And even, even the fight between Loki and Sylvie was emotionally driven. The physical part of it was cool to look at because they were using their green powers and all that kind of stuff. The effects were great, but it was always about the minor sentences in between the punches. 100%. And the kill on Kang was just quick, stabby, done. It wasn't built up for that. It was built up for just the moment in the conversation. Yeah, I think, honestly, that the stab for Kang, I think, was just, you know, a cherry on top. Had to be done. This is where we're at kind of a thing. I think that without this level of dialogue, this series and this final episode of season one in particular, Mm -hmm. we don't grow as close to Loki as a character as we have And by the time we get to the end, the only reason we know that he is truly at his core, a different being is because of the six episodes of, of him explaining and talking Mm. and working his way through, through everything. And if he doesn't do that, we don't get this huge emotional impact at the very end. And I think that is so important. We've gotten that from all three of the series, actually, now that I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about it, now that you say it, maybe not through dialogue or through one thing or the other, but we have had emotional changes in all of the characters and they all happened pretty quick because none of these series went on for a long time. I saw the runtime for Loki was just over four hours. All the episodes were pretty short, but it was paced so well. And on the dialogue note, I just realized that I feel this way about Vision too, but the writers seem somehow so in tune to some characters. Mm -hmm. Like Vision and Loki have such a distinct way of speaking. Yeah. They feel so real and natural. Like you have a hundred years or however old Loki is, thousands of years of data to like parse through. And they really do through the comics and stuff. So they make it sound so real. And the combo of that and Hiddleston, it just... It's not that it feels real because this is the most fantastical of all of the series, but it's still grounded through the script. And it's just right so that they never miss. I want to keep moving. What was your favorite episode? Was it the finale or? That's, that's tough. I feel like that's really hard. I, it is. So I, I haven't gone back through the season to like rewatch every single episode yeah. kind of now that I understand where we're headed situation. I think that's a must do just because we know where we're ending. So seeing how we get there again should be, you know, kind Mm. of a different viewpoint. But I do think that along with most people, I'd say naturally I'm drawn to episode four. It's the most action packed. It's the most, most climactic. It reveals the most, it leaves us with the most questions. It leaves us like, you know, frothing at the mouth for what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And I think any episode that does that, you're going to say that's the best episode. That's what you enjoyed the most. I think low, like low key, I hate saying low key when I'm talking about low key, but (laughs) low key, I really enjoy the first episode. Like this kind of like mysterious little cop, like TVA, we're learning everything about the TVA. We see Mobius and Loki for the first time start to become friends and, and feed off each other. 
I think what was encapsulated in the first two episodes is incredibly different than what we get in the latter four. Definitely. And I love that vibe that the TVA gives. And I just like love the TVA being so creepily interesting so much. Couldn't have said it better. Episode one was my favorite one. I think okay. now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm going to have to go back to our other episode because I think I said the same thing about Falcon and Winter Soldier. I just sure. love episode <laughs> ones of things because it, especially this one, it drops you in the middle of this insane place where you're just learning what's around. You're really seeing through Loki's eyes and you don't understand where you are or what this place is. And it's so crazy and new and interesting. And Owen Wilson is so charming and it's all just so fascinating that you're gripped right away. So the finale, I thought was great also. Episode four and episode five, fantastic. Honestly, the whole thing. But yeah. without episode one, we never get that jolt into the whole world. And uh, so I think if they missed on that, and even if mm -hmm. it, the rest of the episodes were great, it wouldn't have felt the same. It felt yeah. like we were comfortable after episode one and ready for wherever this was going to go, which is unbelievable to do with such a crazy theme yeah. that they have time splitting and all that jazz. It's like, totally agree. I think wild. the ability, the ability for us to like get introduced to the TVA and really like lay groundwork in 40 minutes for like, Hey, this is what we're going to be dealing with. And, and time variants and all of these things. And for, for everybody to just be like, yeah, that sounds good. Like that is such an, absolutely insane thing for the writers to pull off. And That's I'm wild. sure you got to give credit to Tom Hiddleston being an executive producer as well. Sure. I, I was able to actually talk to um, the writer for episode four last week. And I got wow. to kind of pick his brain about Tom Hiddleston. And basically he said like the guy's next level, like the guy just fully commits. He goes home on the weekend and he reads the script. He knows everybody's party, knows everybody's line. And like, I just feel like that, you know, going back to what you were saying about Tom Hiddleston and Loki being so ingrained, like, that is this extra that we're seeing for Loki. And I think without that, we don't get a stellar episode one. Maybe we don't get an episode six that necessarily pulls off what it pulled off. So I think I, it's an, an interesting situation. Yeah, totally. I mean, very cool that you got to talk to them. And yeah, like you said, it just reinforces like the show is him. No matter what the show was going to be, it was going to be great because he's Loki. Yep. And I can see ways where other heroes might have a bad movie like Thor Dark World. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a weird example because Loki's literally in it. But <laughs> Yeah, right. But any scene with Loki, even in that movie, you're like, oh yeah, this is still great. It still just feels like itself. In the essence of moving on quickly, and mm -hmm. I know we're going to have to talk more about this. <laughs> so episode three was yep. not only my least favorite of this series, but okay. I actually think it might have been my least favorite Marvel content that I've seen so far. Wow, you're gonna drop that on me right now, dude. You didn't here's the thing: prepare me for that. <laughs> I know, heck? I know, I know, I know. It's a hot take. Wow. You gotta take a deep breath. But it's not that I hated it, and I realize now that at, that the finale has aired that it was necessary to get us to feel the way we feel about these characters. I understand yep. where they were going, but the thing I didn't like is that we were going at breakneck speed pace-wise in episodes one and two. Mm -hmm. And we were learning so much about the TVA and we knew that eventually it was going to come to this timeline situation with another villain or something that was going somewhere. And it felt like episode three, of course, on purpose, it didn't have the same vibe as all the other episodes. I get it. But it broke that 
pace for me that I was craving. Sure. It felt like we were just moving and moving and moving and it would peak eventually like a Safdie Brothers movie, like Uncut yeah. Gems or something. <laughs> and Love Uncut Gems, by the way. That's my, that's my brand. I will die for that movie. So that's what that I movie. felt about this. I was like, it's going and going and going. And then episode three comes and I was like, oh, but now they're just slowing down and taking a quick train ride, mm-hmm. even though we just felt like the whole world and universe and multiverse was collapsing. Sure. So sure. that... It's not a problem with the Loki and Loki romance or anything. I get all that stuff. It just felt uh, a little weird. But I will give you the fact that the song that he sung when he was like drunk in the train car. Sure. That part was awesome. And I saw that he's on the Billboard charts. Yeah, man. Yeah. Incredible. So crazy. Yeah, that's (laughs) cool. And fun fact about him, which I didn't know until now, he did an entire country album. No. Of covers of Hank Williams. What? It's on YouTube. You got to check it out. He can wow. Sing. And fun fact for the link listeners, Hank Williams is on Omnivore Recordings, who my uncle Dutch is a co-founder of that label. And we did an episode, episode 16 with my uncle Dutch talking about the label. So you got to go listen to all of it. Fun facts. It all ties together. Wow. I love it. I love to hear that. That's insane. You just blew my mind. I know. Right. I didn't know it either until I went into the research for the pod. So cool. Okay. So, so I've got to state my three. Let me state my 60 second case for episode three real quick. Please. Let me beat up my defense here. So hundred percent valid, totally get it. And you are correct in whatever opinion you strike. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I I feel very, very strongly. That's okay. You can attack it. It's a safe space here. <laughs> Any, anybody can like what they like. Anybody can dislike what they dislike. I think that's what makes these projects so fun. And that's why we have podcasts. That's why there's things to talk about, right? You couldn't be But I think right. to me, Lamentus, it had a lot of vibes from a lot of other things that I've watched that I've really enjoyed. So the train ride, big Snowpiercer vibes, right? Ah. I'm a big Bong Joon-ho guy. I really like Snowpiercer. Okay. The, the the end the that kind of that that single shot through the city of Lamentis or mm. like on Lamentis had like really kind of Sam Mendes filmography vibe to sure. it and I and I can get with that a lot the final shot where we see them just totally distraught that the meteor shower is coming down and just destroyed their right. only way off the planet and then it cuts into a song while we're still in the scene. It does not cut to a song in the credits. It cuts Mm. in the scene. That is like 1 million percent breaking bad status. And like, I'm a breaking bad head. So like, I just got really strong vibes from a lot of things. And I was like, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. Talking about the pace. I think it was necessary to slow it down. I don't think you can keep that breakneck pace for six episodes. I think it's a lot to handle. And I think the pace is why people don't like it is because just like you, they said, we're keep it going. Like, let's keep the yeah. show moving. I don't think you get the same payoff. You don't get the same relationship blossom. If you keep that pace moving, we have to have those slow, deep conversations with Loki and Sylvie. And we have to understand more background and we have to understand why, why do they even care about each other? Why are we even doing right. this? And you, I don't think you can do that at, at a fast pace. And I, I thought it was a nice change of pace. I thought it was a cool episode. On the other hand, I thought like episode five, Journey into Mystery, an entire, I, I hate to say it, but like sm- fog or smoke episode because of Elias. But like, it felt like the entire episode was all curated just to get to one point at the very end of it. Like there was very minimal show growth in the middle. Wow. And I thought we were just like, 
like a massive adventure just to the end and like okay cool we got to the castle now we can have episode six so like i can tell you and i are different vibes and i oh, yeah, love we are. Me too, so much. Time we were on the it's same so page cool. so much oh. this is so different <laughs> episode so cool. five, i mean i can't even i loved episode five so much and i'll tell you why sure. you have a point i get what you're saying it's so straight line narrative but that's not really what i liked about the episode what i liked about the episode was for the first time i mean the whole series is a little bit of this but really for the first time you could tell the marvel exec said okay the gloves are off things are about to get mm -hmm. really truly weird and wild multiverse craziness anything can be here and yeah. it still worked and I just think that episode could have gone so poorly. If other shows try to do that, if other uh, non-Marvel properties try to do it, if DC tried to do something totally out there, sure. and people would be like, <laughs> this is terrible, right? But they pulled it off right. somehow. And so whether you think it's the best or the worst, I at least that part of it, I was like, this is so cool that we get to see it, that yeah. this just even exists, that we can have this scene with 20 Lokis fighting each other and it's not awful, <laughs> you know, like they found a way right. to make it good. Also, Richard E. Grant as classic Loki. I mean, for a guy that only so had, good. what, 10 minutes of screen time? Probably not even. He yeah. was, I mean, when you see the costume at the end of episode four, you're like, this is about to be really silly, but I'm intrigued to see it. And then all of a sudden he is a super powerful sorcerer, savior of the whole world. And to yeah. me, that uh, raising of Asgard at the end, was like one of the more visually stunning things we've seen in Marvel at all. And it was just cool oh, to yeah. see Asgard again. 100%. And just the whole hero vibe of Loki seeing that he, our Loki, seeing that he can be a hero ultimately. And even that classic Loki learning that this is my hero moment. To me, that was some of my favorite stuff. So it is funny that we're on totally different pages. Let's I keep, love that. <laughs> let's keep moving about, let's talk about characters quickly because I touched yep. on classic Loki. We talk a ton about regular Loki, Sylvie we mentioned, but let's talk Mobius for a second. My Could boy. Owen Wilson have possibly done better? I mean, unbelievable role. I, I should have expected this, but he was fit in perfectly. Oh, it's so ridiculous. And like, you're right. Like knowing that we were going to get Owen Wilson in an MCU project, everybody knew, yeah, this is going to be super cool. I don't think any of us knew like, wow, he's, he's next level. Like give him a spinoff, give us more, give us more storyline because totally. he- knocked it out of the park he crushed it and I, I i think we all know he's he's a great actor but i i don't know maybe he just hit another level like i don't want to say this is like an owen wilson renaissance i don't know if he's there quite yet but i think it's one of the top of the list for him i don't know if he ever left i i think this is i think he has this unique ability to be both himself and a character which is so rare yeah usually so you're either Daniel Day-Lewis, who you forget that it's an actor and you're just looking at a guy doing the role or the opposite. But with Owen Wilson, you get both the vibes of that was a funny Owen Wilsonism, And also you get the, you know, I kind of expected to go into this forgetting his name kind of thing. Not that it's a bad thing, but you always think it's Owen Wilson. But by the end, he's Mobius, baby. This is mm -hmm. all it is. And especially, I mean, we'll get there when we talk more about the finale, but the last scene was heartbreaking with him absolutely then, fucking brutal dude oh, dude tough god just tough. brutal i think tough. i think it's so interesting one of the coolest things about this show when you when you talk about mobius and you talk about owen wilson i think what the writers have done so well for this show is 
leave us just consistently wanting more. We want more yeah. Mobius. We want more Loki and Mobius. We now want more of Mobius and Hunter B-15. We want to know more about his prior life to pri- like being in the TVA. Like we didn't see any of that. And so we, as an audience, have all of these ideas of what could be. But I think that especially is what makes this series so good is because it doesn't answer every single question. It doesn't provide us with visuals for anything. If you think about like Hunter B-15, when Sylvie and Chancer, and she says like, I was happy. We don't know why she was happy. We have no idea what that stands for, but we get to determine what we think that is. And if you rewatch this, this weekend, if you rewatch it in a year, that's still going to hold strong because you're still going to have some kind of emotional connection and say like, it could be this, it could be that. I wonder if his backstory is this. I wonder what Mobius goes on to do. Like all of these questions that I think leave the show consistently evolving in people's minds. And without Owen Wilson as Mobius, I think you drop that down a notch. You care. He just makes you care. He makes, he's so human. Yeah. In everything, even in like wedding crashers, when they have that scene where he's depressed and, uh, He's reading the don't kill yourself book. Yeah. It's not mine, but I glanced at it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even that in a super silly comedy, he manages to make it human. So he pulled it off in this too. And it was just unbelievable. I mentioned Richard E. Grant. Mm-hmm. He was an Oscar nominee, by the way. Can you ever forgive me with, with uh, Melissa McCarthy? That was a good movie. He was in that. How about Miss Minutes? I want to give a shout out to... The voice actor is Tara Strong, who played Bubbles in Powerpuff Girls and Timmy Turner on The Fairly Odd Parents. And she's in Rick and Morty and a ton of other cool stuff. What a cool little character. So rad. I think she is super creepy, honestly. Like, yeah. I get some weird vibes from Miss Minutes, especially in the final episode. I'm still super sus of Miss Minutes. I do not Definitely. believe that she is looking out for king i do not believe that she is oh, you think she's got her own agenda i think she has her own agenda man uh, and i think that could possibly be a season two okay. thing that we deal with the fact that man. she tries to cut a deal with loki and sylvie behind right. king's back super sus or don't like it she, or did kang know and that was kang's True. like maybe i'll keep doing this job if they accept it and they're not really the people that i expected them to be could be yeah, any of those point. things, but intriguing character. Did you feel that way about her in episode one? Cause I didn't. Yeah. I thought in episode one, like I was like, Oh cool. Like she's, that's just her job. I don't know. Like to explain. I thought things, it was just right? a campy, silly thing, similar mm-hmm. to the captain America commercials. I thought sure. that's what it was. And instead you're right. It ended up turning somehow with, I mean, less than five minutes of screen time, probably throughout the yeah. whole series, they turned this character into something deep and you have to like question what they're about and they're not who knows if they're even real it's yeah tara strong though like crushed the the voice that little like southern twang little accent was awesome so well done yeah yeah Yeah, it was a cool little thing all right we got to talk kang enough of the little small fries yeah let's talk the big guns here dude i can't believe i i don't can't remember if we talked about it in the last episode but i felt this way about wandavision and i know we've talked about it at least off pod before about how expectations from people can not necessarily ruin something, but you need to just let them tell the story. And a lot of the time I say to myself, well, let's be realistic. They're not going to introduce a big bad villain in the last 20 minutes of a finale episode. So I told myself, we're not going to get Kang probably. It's going to be something we're going to, they're going to close the gap. They're going to like just end this, tie it with a bow, 
because who knows if we're going to get a season two. And then they did it. It was the same thing with like Mephisto. And like when people thought Mephisto was going to be in WandaVision and oh, it sure. wasn't, I felt like, yeah, of course he's not. They're not going to introduce the big, huge, bad villain right at the end because then it just falls flat. But they did it sure. in this and it didn't fall flat at all because of the acting and because of the mysterious nature and they managed to open more doors somehow and yet still make the finale feel like it was impactful. I couldn't believe how they pulled it off. Yeah, I'm so impressed. Like the first thing I thought of when Jonathan Majors shows up on, on the screen, literally like the first five seconds we see him when he takes a bite out of a green apple yeah. and he's just like chilling there. I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly who this character should be. I don't know a ton about Kang from the comics, but in terms of MCU, I feel like his vibe was was right. I feel like that was the right way to go. And yeah, A, the fact that nothing leaked. Nobody knew. No. We, I, I never saw anything. Obviously, nothing. I didn't, I'm, I'm not going on 4chan, like looking for sure. leaks or anything, right? But still, but like, sometimes they come across your desk, yeah. Right. I didn't see any leaks for, for Kang. And I think everybody got to the point of saying of, of, a, of a repeat Mephisto saying like, there's just no way. Exactly. But then again, if you look and you say like, okay, the way that this played out, it makes me more intrigued. It makes me want more. It makes me so hyped for season two for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Oh God. Because now we don't have to spend 25 minutes of that movie understanding Kang. Good point. Where it might not fit in, right? This was the perfect place to slot it in. And it just feels like an incredibly fluid way to do it. And you mentioned about like subverting expectations. Mm. I'm a firm believer on the podcast. I tweeted about it all the time. I, before the finale came out, I, I said, you know what? We are all here for the ride. We're all here to enjoy it. Totally. Subvert your expectations, go in with no expectations. And you're going to have a fucking awesome time. You're going to enjoy much. the hell out of it. And I, I did that. I did exactly that. You did that. And I was jaw dropped when King showed up and I was like, oh my God, we're doing this. I like, know. here we go. I know. If anything, I was so far to the other side where I just sure. refused to believe that any of the rumors <laughs> were going to be true. That when they were, I'm like, oh my God. Jonathan Majors is brilliant for a bunch of reasons. First of all, he was great into Five Bloods and Last Black Man in San Francisco. Those are awesome. Yep. Check those out if you haven't seen them. He's really good. And he showed range here in the finale yeah. because there were quick brief moments where he was scary where like he so scary just shift out of an attack or when he jumped up on the desk at some point it was yelling at sylvie but it was quick and then he would go back to the nice guy and you're like you could Dude. tell that he's almost preparing himself for the evil version of himself that he's going to be playing in the future and definitely that agree it's just wild to watch him play with that when he when he bursts out at Sylvie, it's like, oh shit. Like, wow, this real. guy is real. Yeah. This is legit. Like, he's got demons that we have no idea about. We have some clue as to like the infinite versions of himself. But when you think of a big bad or you think of a villain who's most frightened of himself, that is insane to me. He's not scared of the Avengers. He's not scared of Loki or Iron Man or anybody else out there. He's scared of himself. And you Amazing. can't top that that's a mental game that you're talking like back to baron zemo trying to yeah. trying to mentally fuck with the avengers and that is like next tier type stuff totally i 
cannot wait to see Jonathan Majors on the big screen, on the IMAX screen. Oh. I think he's going to knock it out of the park. What a cool writing sequence, too. There wasn't even a villain in this series, really. Right. He's the good guy trying to help in his own way, but although committing mass genocide across multiple multiverses. And yet you're kind of on his side because he's so charming and interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really cool... Again, the writers just in tune with the actors and each other knowing what the role is is now and will be and giving us a glimpse into that without totally giving it away. I couldn't believe that they pulled it off. Last week on the podcast, I did a Would You Rather episode with a bunch of my friends, Sausage Kings of Chicago. Everybody check it out if you haven't. So nice. now I kind of want to do Would You Rathers on each episode. So I'm going to give okay. you one. Give if it. you're in Loki's situation oh. and Kang offers you the two options that he offered, what do you take? That's tough, man. I mean, look, Loki ended up on the short end of that deal. He got boned in multiple ways. And like he- Not in the good way. No, not in a good way in the <laughs> slightest. No. Him and Sylvie kiss. And you can see the moment that Sylvie clicks. You can see the moment that she says, this is a con. This is a game. And, and this is not real. This is mm -hmm. not how I feel. So Loki gets shafted to some other timeline. We don't know what's going on. Who knows where he is. But, I mean, regardless of what my decision is, I still have to deal with Sylvie. So, honestly, I'd take over for Kang. It sounds super cool. You kind of got it made. I feel like you get to live in a really cool castle, and you kind of get to do cool stuff and get to determine what happens and what doesn't. I don't. It sounds pretty cush to me, but I don't know, man. <laughs> you look tired. Here's Kang the thing. tired, so I don't I, know. I don't agree because... <laughs> perfect keep because, the vibe going yeah right <laughs> this is our theme for the day because uh loki just witnessed. i guess he didn't just go through it in theory because he hasn't really lived the whole thanos arc yet but he did see it and so you have to assume that at that point he knows everything that loki would have known before he died to thanos and so because of that I kind of think you would have to tell every big bad villain to go fuck themselves after that. Because you know, the Avengers <laughs> already dealt with this unbelievable threat that they thought was cataclysmic and world ending. So when someone else comes to me and goes, I'm a huge threat that's cataclysmic and world ending, I would go, all right, dude, we've already done this. We've beaten you, yeah. we'll beat another one. Throw me 20 Kangs, I don't care, I'm stabbing you to death. I feel like I would've went down yeah. that route, which probably isn't gonna be good. <laughs> so it sounds that sounds dicey it sounds a little too intense for me i gotta take the <laughs> i gotta take the easy route <laughs> i hear you i hear you i found it fascinating that they were willing to steer into this area so late in the series because it opens so many doors mm -hmm. that part of me wonders and i I preach all the time that I just trust everything Marvel is doing and Kevin Feige just has his finger on the pulse and everything will be fine. But sure. now we're going into an area where they can do so many things because literally your options are endless. You can mm -hmm. bring back Iron Man because it's a different universe. universe. You yeah. can do literally any of these things. You can rewind time or do it differently or have a alligator Loki and it'll make sense. Like literally anything is up for grabs. So... I wonder how far is too far mm -hmm. when that is the game. And they pulled it off here, but I hope they don't go so far into fan service that this is forever now, that we never sure. know, are we ever getting back to the one thing? And what I hope, and I want to see how you feel about this, that by the end of this phase, or maybe the next one, 
I don't want Kang and this multiverse thing to be the forever MCU. Mm-hmm. I just... However they get there, I don't care. I trust them. But I want there to be an ending to it so we can go back to some level of normalcy. Do you feel that? Yeah, I, I totally vibe with that. I get that. I think you're totally right in being fearful, like how far is too it's far. It's been great. I don't want to say it's been terrible, but I'm just nervous. That's all. 100%. And, and it makes sense. Like you could just start toying with everything and nothing right. means anything, right? And you could just lose all validity of any consequences of actions, which... Truth be told, the MCU has a big problem with already and has had up until this point of nobody pays for their actions and and no consequences are suffered. But I feel like we all trust Feige. We all know he's made it to this point. And what I think makes Loki so special is that it didn't inherently negate anything we've already seen. It just gave us the idea of like, oh, maybe some things change or maybe there are different timelines where it goes differently. I think for me, I'm really optimistic and I'm really hopeful because we're going to get multiverse of madness. We're going to get no way home. We're going to get these four, five, six projects that are yeah, immediately apply to this multiverse. And then I think it's something you can stick in your back pocket. I think they could say like, okay, cool. Multiverse has calmed down. We've solved that. We have a new TVA. We have, things to keep it in check. And then three years down the line, when we have a brand new movie, oh snap, there's three versions of Iron Man and you forgot Mm. that you were in a multiverse. I think something like that would be really cool if it's played like a, kind of like a, you know, like a Trump card in a situation of like, Hey, we can do this. Don't forget. I think that would be cool. I get that. I am hopeful that you're right. And I have a little bit of a theory on it, but I want to mention a couple more Loki things before we move on. Okay. Um, Quickly, Thanos Copter exists in the MCU. Unbelievable that that exists. Yeah, facts. It's That's insane. I the funniest I think shit in the world. The void is literally the perfect place to put anything All like that, Easter and they eggs, crush yeah. it, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. If you're not familiar with what we're talking about in the comics, Thanos comes to Earth and is about to be apprehended by the police or something, and has his own helicopter that says Thanos on it. It's very campy and silly and old. Oh yeah. But they put a crashed helicopter in the void in that episode in the background somewhere. I'm sure one of us has tweeted it if you want to find it, but. Yeah, yeah uh, I got it out there. Yeah, that was super cool. My last shout out for this was the music. Unbelievable, much better than both of the other two series. That was my only knock on WandaVision was that they didn't have their own theme and Loki's theme was so strong and prevalent throughout the whole series. Plus just a lot of big ominous tones yeah. and uh, it really, really helped set the pace. So I loved I- that. Unreal, unreal music. I've been preaching it since episode one. If you go back and you listen to all of my episode reactions for the last six weeks, Mm. I will give you money if I didn't say it in every single episode because I'm positive (laughs) that I did. Like I've been saying it since episode one, the instrument that, and I, and I don't know the name of it, but the instrument that sounds so unique to this like Loki theme Mm -hmm. was a stellar choice. It is so unique. It's so perfect for setting the, the vibe of this, this totally. mystery, ominous, like God of bad things are coming. Exactly. Yep. And, and yeah, they just, just crushed it. And if Loki came without this barometer of a, of a score, it would not be as good as it is. The score you have Couldn't to attribute more. some level to, because in key and crucial moments, the score is what immerses you. It's what gives you exactly what Loki is. Insane. Well done. Super cool. And I think is Eternals next 
or is Shang Chi next? We, we've got Shang Chi coming out next. Okay. In, in a couple Eternals months. Eternals is and then, soon, and then we get Ramin Jawadi back on the score. So we're gonna get way more cool music coming. So this is like absolutely only the beginning of the cool music run for this phase. Um, keep going. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention was the possibility that as we're talking about whether this will stay tethered or whether it will ever end or whether we go back to one thing could culminate with secret wars. That could make some sense. I don't want to go into it because we could do a whole nother 10 podcasts on secret wars itself. But if you want, there's a wiki out there. It explains everything. It's a wild thing where all the heroes and villains are brought to this different dimension and kind of fight there. And it kind of ends a whole multiversal arc. So I wonder if we're building towards that. It'd be pretty cool. I mean, there's, basically two instances in the series in the very beginning when miss minutes is kind of given her speech she says something about another multiversal war mm. and so it leads us to believe there's already been one and then same with king he says yes i know that i will create a multiversal war he so, says see you soon so exactly. ominous and badass so good so theoretically we have been so focused on earth 616 and the avengers and everything for 10 years 11 years now that's all that we've seen. That's all the camera has showed us. Yeah. In other universes, the last 10 years, we could have had a secret wars already. We could have Good had point. things happen that we've just never seen. And so like, and this whole multiverse thing totally leaves the door open for any retconning that ever needs to be done. Big like you time. can just drop anything you want. It doesn't even matter. And they just dropped that Deadpool trailer with Korg, which was really cool. So fire. Super cool. And there is a, I forget what it's called, but there's a version of secret wars where Deadpool is there and he's just commenting on how crazy the secret war situation is and they could do that and make it Uh, hilarious i mean there's so many options so many choices uh, i really want it to come down to like whether this is loki season two or further down the road where loki has to go recruit the avengers to help him against kang but there's some scenario where he might have to go back to 2012 where he just escaped Mm -hmm. from with the tesseract in the beginning of this and then come back to them and be like i need your help and they're gonna be like (laughs) You were just here 10 minutes ago. (laughs) You're not a good guy now. And he's like, no, a lot of shit has happened. (laughs) Dude, that would be some wild stuff. (laughs) Totally opposite end of the spectrum. (laughs) It would be really funny. Okay, so I want to mention Black Widow stuff. Yeah, let's uh, talk Black Widow. Yeah, because that, the multiverse opens so many doors into how you can operate with these characters. But Black Widow kind of proved that there were already doors open. You can just explore these characters at different points in time. And it's still extremely interesting, even if the character is not alive anymore. So I loved that movie and I'll let you spiel about it in a second. But what I really wanted to tie these two together for is because my nervousness about the multiverse being too much is actually grounded by the other side of this MCU. I'm seeing two sides of a coin where some of the stuff is dealing with multiverse, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Mm-hmm. next to Ant-Man, WandaVision, all that kind of stuff. And then the other side of it seems to be building towards this whole Thunderbolts Young Avengers thing with Valentina, where you have Captain America, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Black Widow fits perfectly into it with the US MC. agent, yeah. It's US agent, yeah, there's a lot of it. So I'm wondering if we're going to get like, hey, if the casual fans are weirded out by this multiverse stuff, you still have this whole storyline too. Hawkeye mm-hmm. will go into that, obviously. I have a feeling She-Hulk will be more on that side, maybe. And I'm just curious if those two worlds will ever converge or if they're now making it a concerted effort to have a couple different things instead of just one major arc. So anyway, Black Widow is awesome. How do you feel about all that? And give your thoughts on Black Widow. That's that's so interesting that you mentioned that because 
you're right. Like we're going in the direction of a young Avengers. We're going in the direction of, of a Thunderbolt possibly. Totally. I, I think those two plays are more of a long con. I think we're uh, getting the multiverse in between. And then I think we're getting oh, like something phase five post. stuff. Exactly. So like okay. a phase five. I think we're just doing a really long buildup. Like if you're talking post-credit scene for Black Widow, we see Val trying to like recruit Yelena and go after Clint. And, and I think we're going to have a lot of things happen in yeah. between getting a Thunderbolts or getting a Young Avengers. I hope that's okay. the way. Two parallel storylines make me incredibly nervous because any movie that has two competing yeah. storylines generally always. But it is, is already happening. Fails. Yeah, it is already it's happening. fine for now. It's Fine the question now. of like how far down the road can they go with it before it becomes exactly. like which one is the important one. I hear you. Exactly. Totally. So yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I really enjoyed Black Widow. I thought it was a really Same. fun, fun movie. I thought it was action-packed. It felt like a, a James Bond, a Mission Impossible of the MCU. What like what's what's not to like? I know the general complaint is it came out five years too late. Totally. I, co- I co-signed with that. I think everybody does. And I think that, if you do some reading, there were a lot of issues studio-wise sure. that, that, that went wrong, that didn't make that happen. I thought it was cool that Taskmaster was not the main villain. I'm pro yeah. for that. I thought that was cool. And I Me thought too. it was a great connection to this kind of Bond villain. Since you brought it up, how do you feel about the switch in Taskmaster? Not a lot of people complaining about it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was totally fine. I have no problems. I had zero expectations. Again, I don't care so about like, the gender switch at all or or Taskmaster being the daughter or any of that kind of stuff. I did miss the cape, though. The cape is yeah. kind of badass, and I hope they figure that out. Bring it back. Cape is sick. I, I mean, I look, I'm still, I still think the hood is pretty sick, too. Yeah. And the costume was cool. It was cool. Yeah, costume was cool. And I think it leaves the door open for Taskmaster in the future. I, d- totally. I just don't know if they were, like, sold on using Taskmaster this early. Maybe they have plans down the road. And, I think and they, they got to pick and choose. You can't have yeah. everyone be this big bad. It's like when they had Crossbones and yep, he dies sure. in two minutes. And sure. you're like, well, that sucks. But also, that's a memorable scene. Yeah, so totally. What's the problem? You know, some of those Taskmaster fights on the bridge were so like sick. really good. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. People get their panties in a wad over it. Yeah. But I, I think just, it was fine. Yeah, just like... It's it feels like trying to find an issue. Like yeah. who cares? No one cares about Taskmaster's origins. Hundred no percent. You know, some diehards might, but I don't know that many Taskmaster fans. The rest of the movie was so good. Who gives a shit? Hundred percent. Nobody was going into Black Widow saying like, if Taskmaster isn't the main villain, I hate this movie. Right. Exactly. Everybody's just looking for problems, and that's a whole thing. Haters it, gonna it's, hate. It's absurd. I thought it was really fun. I think Black Widow serves a wonderful purpose bringing in red guardian and bringing in Yelena Hell Belova yes. is premium. I think Florence Amazing. Pugh is going to be top class in the MCU. I know rumor has come out and said that both Kate Shortland and uh, David Harbour want a red guardian movie. So that's wow. always door is always open for that. Like he's a treasure that guy oh, he, between he was this wonderful. and stranger things, unbelievable yeah. roles he's set for the rest of his life and will continue to get great roles because he yeah. deserves them he was also in um the the most recent steven soderbergh movie no sudden move that's that's on hbo well, max i didn't see it good very good I'll check yeah that very out. good in that so i thought it was a great movie look it made what crazy amount of money it yeah, made like it 218 million way better than i thought i so had crazy. no expectations for this and I think it's the perfect MCU movie to simultaneously release in theaters and at home. Couldn't it's a great more. popcorn movie. And if you care about the MCU, you get a lot of cool Easter eggs. If you don't, you get a really cool action Still movie. Good. 
basically no superheroes, which is kind of cool. Fantastic. I have so many thoughts on it. You mentioned that it came out five years too late. Not necessarily that that was your opinion, but most people's opinions. And I don't know. I I feel like it's cooler that we get to send Natasha off this way instead of dying. Uh, It was more emotionally built in Endgame. I I get that. But she got to shine finally. She was always kind of an afterthought because non-powered and whatever. And the Red Room was all lore. And when you get to see all of it, it feels almost cooler knowing that she has already sacrificed herself for the greater good and this is mm-hmm. how she got there. So yeah. I kind of think it's okay that it came out now, but that might be a hot take. Florence Pugh was awesome. ScarJo was awesome. David Harbour was awesome. Rachel Weiss, not a huge role, but fit perfectly with the four of them. Yeah, and she was this, great. Th- yeah, this movie felt to me like a spiritual successor to the Captain America movies. It sure. felt like it belonged as a Captain America movie. It's like a, I don't want to say it's a poor man's Winter Soldier the movie, but <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, you know, like, and which is saying a lot. That's one of my favorite ones. It was all action. It was a spy movie. It was like a sequel to Civil War almost. I just loved it. It was like, like you said, Bond, like a Jason Bourne movie, but fully inside the MCU. And it all made sense. And it was still connected to everything, but also disconnected enough where a casual fan could really enjoy this. And have no care in the world about any of the other shit Mm -hmm. and still be fine. And that is going to be more and more rare as time goes Mm -hmm. on, I think, to find Mm -hmm. those things. I love the vibe of the vibe that you mentioned. It is very like epilogue. And I think that is kind of cool. I think I think a lot of people say like that detracts from the story, but we're going to agree. Finally, I think like the epilogue nature of it is really cool. And the fact that we now know like, okay, in Infinity War, Nat's outfit, her vest, that's you like that's Yelena's vest. Amazing that, that's incredible. That in yeah. And it escalates the movie even more. And if we had seen that prior, it would not have meant nearly as much as it does, right? And you obviously you wouldn't get the post-credit scene that you get. And knowing right, knowing what she did to get to where she was, I think is a very cool like fill. And I do think that it opens the door for the MCU in the future to to do anything like this. They can give us at any point in time, they can give us any storyline and I'll just, you know, slop from a trough. I'll just eat it up all day long. Couldn't agree more. I'm with you. And Elena was so good in this. Florence Pugh found a way to be a Black Widow, but be totally different from the Black Widow that we already know and still be mm-hmm. playful enough to make it seem like they're sisters. So that was a hard job to pull off. It would have been, again, really easy to fuck that up. Like yeah. to have her just be a clone of what Scarlett Johansson is doing. And you're like, this is just the same, but worse. But it mm-hmm. didn't feel that way. And uh, yeah, I just really loved it. Shout out to my boy Mason, the guy who got her all the gear and the plane yeah. and all this and the stuff. Chopper, he got yeah. friend zone so hard by <laughs> Natasha. It's tough to watch, but good for him taking a shot on Black Widow. That's tough. Yeah. Even the Hulk couldn't pull it so- off. Someone had to do it, you know? Someone had to fill the role, you so gotta good try. on him. <laughs> uh, I saw on Reddit, according to, I want to give credit because everyone gets mad when you pull stuff from Reddit and don't give them credit. So oh, the yeah, you gotta name give credit. is Dow366. Take it up with him if it's not right. But <laughs> claims to have tallied it all up and this movie had the lowest total screen time for villains. Just not a oh. lot of villains in Black Widow. It was more this mysterious red room, take it all down kind of thing. But really, if you think about it, it was only the one 
quick fight where she breaks her own nose and can't smell anymore. That was cool. So sick. Yeah, that yeah. was tight. I like Drakov. I thought he was really cool. And it was good. You know, yeah, give us another middle-aged white villain. Like, I understand the issue with that, but... But this was I already a Drake... story that existed, so what are you going to do? Right. I think Drakov filled his role perfectly, and I think he is 100% maximum creepy level to yes. the fact that he would actually have a red room. So, like, mission accomplished. It made it believable, which is a hard <laughs> thing to do for this heavy, deep story. I mean, you think about what we're talking about here, and it didn't get overly emotional really mm -hmm. which is rare for marvel usually they steer into that but with natasha she's so cold that the movie kind of has to play that way too and david harbour did it too there was like almost the lack of emotion made it more emotional for the viewer in a weird way totally. i don't know how they got that there but i was impressed when they announced this movie i was like all right this will be the least popular of all the movies probably and then it came sure. out and everyone loves it and everyone saw it. And I don't know if it's just the right time or it was well-made or what it was, but I really enjoyed it. If you haven't seen it now, you know everything about it, but definitely yeah. watch it, watch <laughs> it again, figure it out because it was really good. All right. Tell the people where they can find you. I do Marvel content every now and then, and I like to bring you on, but I mix it up. Yeah. You're giving it to the people twice a week, all the time. Where can they find you? Yeah. Twice a week, all the time. I'm at 15 minute Marvel on twitter 15 minutes of marvel on any major podcast platform uh yeah subscribe to the show check it out wednesdays and fridays brand new episodes at 12 p.m pacific 3 p.m eastern 15 minutes or kind of pretty close to 15 minutes uh because know there's you know you creeped up on 18 this <laughs> week I'm not, I'm not trying to blow the whistle or anything but marvel's it's tough man it there's a, a lot week. going on there's a i don't big know how week. you do it i said it it's last time week. i'll say it again i don't know how you keep it to 15 i can barely keep it to an hour yeah, it's tough. It's a tough job. So it's a big week. But yeah, go give me a follow sub to the uh, the podcast. Give it a listen. Super cool stuff. Love Definitely. Marvel. Everybody check it out. I listen all the time. And uh, it gives you the fix that you want. So keep an eye on it. Absolutely. Thanks for doing it, man. I'm sure we'll get round three in there at some point when a million of these other movies come out. Yes, sir. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. You know, the time is coming when I'm going to have to pick and choose which Marvel properties I'm going to have a podcast episode about and which ones I'm not, and it's going to kill me, but I'll do it for you. Thank you to Ethan for coming on. Listen to 15 Minutes of Marvel. He gave the social medias at the end of the podcast, and I'll have them in the description, so click those. Give them a follow. Give them a listen. Each episode is only 15 minutes, so it's beautiful because you don't have to spend your whole day listening and Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff. You can go get that elsewhere if you want to. And he covers all of it, but he does it in bite-sized portions, so you can do it on the go. You got it a quick minute when you wake up and you want to catch up on the new trailer that dropped. He's got you. Check it out. I'm telling you. I'm a fan. That's going to be a wrap for us this week, episode 22 in the books. Next week, episode 23, going to have our first writer on. I love writing. I love reading. I write almost every day of my life, so I love to pick people's brains about it. And this episode will have a little bit of a twist, but that's a tease. You're going to have to check it out on social media. I'm sure I'll tease it before the episode drops next week. Thank you for listening. And secret code word for people to prove that you are here throughout my whole spiel, even the last minute that no one cared about. And it is alligator gotta be alligator alligator loki was the funniest silliest thing about the whole series and they pulled it off somehow and made it sweet and fun i don't know how they did that also i saw someone on the internet selling a lacoste polo with the little alligator symbol but it had the loki horns on it and i really want to buy it it's extra nerdy but it looks very cool anyway post a little alligator emoji on all the social medias 
tell your friends, tell your family, listen to the link, rate and review, whatever else they say. Thank you for listening. Oh, and go ride a jet ski for our boy Mobius, because he's missing out. And if season two doesn't come when he gets a jet ski, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Kevin Feige, I'm telling you, you'll have a letter. All right, see you next week.